stay tuned now for a special public affairs program, a live interview with write-in candidate for Mendocino County Sheriff, Trent James. And good morning. I'm your host, Alicia Bales. The California primary election is one week away, Tuesday, June 7th. It's a very long ballot this time. It's two pages front and back because it's a primary election and there are a whole lot of candidates running for statewide offices, as well as for Jared Huffman's seat in Congress and and our uh, Senate seat currently held by Alex Padilla. The top two candidates in these races will square off on November 8th in the general election. But there are also a number of local races that will be decided on June 7th. Both the 3rd District and the 5th District Supervisors are up for re-election, each with one candidate challenging them. So barring an exact 50-50 tie, those seats will be filled by voters on June 7th. The most high-profile local race of this election is between incumbent Michelle Hutchins and challenger Nicole Glenser for Mendocino County's Superintendent of Schools, which will also be decided on June 7th. All the other elected department heads up for re-election this time are running unopposed, including our assessor, clerk, recorder, our newly consolidated office of auditor, controller, slash treasurer, tax collector, our district attorney, and until last week, our county sheriff. On Monday last week, Trent James, former Mendocino County Patrol deputy and former Willits police sergeant, submitted the required paperwork, and became a qualified write-in candidate for county sheriff. Trent James is known locally for his YouTube channel, Confessions of an Ex-Cop, where he's posted dozens of videos talking about corruption and wrongdoing at the sheriff's department and Willits Police Department. Since there's only a very short time left before the election, and voters may not be familiar with current issues regarding the sheriff's department because there hasn't been any real campaign around this this race, or familiarity with Trent James's campaign, KZYX has offered equal time to both Trent James and Sheriff Matt Kendall to speak with our listeners. This morning, we'll hear from Trent James for the whole hour, and I'm going to open up the phone lines probably 30 minutes in, maybe a little bit sooner. You can call 707-895-2448 to ask your question of Trent James directly. Like all of our call-ins for candidates during this election, please limit your questions to 60 seconds, avoid campaigning or soapboxing, and as always, no personal attacks. And with that, Trent James, good morning. Thank you for being here. Good morning. Thank you for having me. So can you start by introducing yourself to our listeners? Where are you from? What's your experience in law enforcement? So I'm from here in Ukiah. I grew up here, Um, graduated from Ukiah High in 2005. And after college uh, from Sonoma State University, I got a bachelor's degree in criminal justice. I went to the police academy in Santa Rosa. And then while I was in the academy, I got picked up by the Ukiah um, Mendocino County Probation Department and worked as a probation officer in Ukiah um, before getting recruited to the sheriff's office as a deputy. I was with the Mendocino County Sheriff's Office for a little over six years. I was a canine handler. I was a resident deputy in Covalo, where I spent the vast majority of my time on patrol. And then after that, I was recruited to the Willits Police Department as a sergeant, where I spent a very short period of time. And um, that was pretty much the extent of my law enforcement career. Okay, well, so people who... uh know about you know about you from your youtube channel i think confessions of an ex-cop and all of this stuff all of your background uh, is on there there's dozens and dozens of interviews or uh, of videos on there can you talk about that that youtube channel confessions of an ex-cop what is it why did you do it and, and what the response has been like to it 
Sure. So the it started after I was terminated from the Willits Police Department, unjustifiably so. Um, it was due to retaliation, actually, on behalf of my ex-lieutenant, who is now fired. Um, but after my time in law enforcement in Mendocino County and after everything that had happened at both departments, I kind of sat back and reflected on my time there and the, the issues that I experienced and faced and a lot of the issues that my friends who were still at both of these agencies were continuing to have to go through with the horrible leadership at, at both agencies. And um, I had a lot of people asking like, what went wrong? What happened? And I started posting stuff on my Instagram. And then I had a bunch of people suggest that I start a YouTube channel, um, just outlining a lot of the issues that, that I saw and that were problematic at both of these departments and um, the reasons why guys were leaving, they weren't able to retain personnel, they weren't able to recruit. And it was just a massive disservice to my friends that still had to remain at these places. Um, and I also wanted to a big part of it was enlighten the community because most people don't know what goes on behind closed doors, especially in law enforcement. And that's a big topic these days. So right. And it's not really by accident, I don't think. I mean, there's a lot of work trying to have sunshine laws and things that that actually caught, like result in more transparency in law enforcement. But it's hard. There's a lot of forces that stop us from getting a, a look in. There are. There are. And it's not so easy just to go pull a cop's personnel file. And people have some giant misconception that it's very easy to do so. And there is a blue thin blue line aspect to that where you know it's more old school where you're not supposed to you know you're supposed to cover for your friends in, in the in the cop world um like i said that's more the the old school guys they they still you know have those those values it's not so much in today's age but law enforcement is changing rapidly and a lot of these people can't get with the times and they're still stuck in the old way of doing things and it's just um not beneficial to the agencies or the community. But you almost never hear law enforcement or former law enforcement speaking out against specific things, specific cases in, in their ex-departments. Uh, why are you doing it and why don't more people do it? Well, I, I'm doing it for the reasons that I, I just stated a moment ago um, for, for basically everybody, just to um, have that transparency and let people know what that world is actually like. Now I've talked to countless current law enforcement as well as former law enforcement with the Mendocino County Sheriff's Office and Willits Police Department guys that are retired that did their 25, 30, 35 plus years. Um, and they've all consistently told me the same thing. They're, they say, you're doing the right thing. I experienced basically the same thing during my time there as well. Um, and it seems like it's just a, a continuing issue throughout the decades. You know, I've talked to guys that, you know, worked with the Sheriff's Office back in the 70s and 80s. Um, and, and they say it just, nothing has changed. So, but they also tell me the same thing. Like what they're telling me is in conf it's confidential. They don't want me to, to broadcast their name. And I think that it just goes back to, you're not s supposed to tell on, you know, your fellow law enforcement, um, guys that they kind of look at it as being like a snitch or a rat, you know, similar to how, uh, you know, guys in prison would, you know what I mean? So, um, I've never thought that way. I don't think that way. If some, there's, there's things that are fundamentally wrong in the law enforcement world. And I've always been a big believer of doing the right thing and putting the community first and helping people. And we're not doing that by keeping these secrets and covering for our buddies and doing those sorts of things. Well, and so what has the response been like? Have you, um, have you gotten that kind of shame for speaking out or, or how's it been? It's been, uh, 
good and bad, I would say. You know, I've I've had a lot of supporters. I've had a lot of people tell me that I'm doing the right thing, and they're, and they're very you know proud of me. Especially like I said, a lot of guys that are still in law enforcement or were in law enforcement. However, um, you'd have a lot of people that do not agree with what I'm doing, and they think that. Um, you know, whatever the reason, mostly those people are friends with or related to these guys that I've been talking about on YouTube. And obviously they're going to, you know, take it personally and get mad and, um, you know, make up lies about me and, you know, say the things that I'm saying are not true. And that's just expected. And it comes with the territory. It doesn't bother me one bit. You know, it's nothing that anybody ever says to me or, you know, to my face or in person. It's usually just on the internet. Um, you know, but it, it just kind of is what it is. Yeah, the internet is a whole new player here, right, in terms of um, your ability to get the word out far and wide. I mean, you have over 4,000 subscribers to this YouTube channel in a county of 90,000 residents, so that's that's a pretty big, I mean, it's a pretty big pe uh, number of people who are looking at what you're putting out. Yeah, it, it is, and it's kind of gradually increased as time has gone on, um, and, and like I said, the the the, major, the response for the most part is is pretty positive. So now you have decided to run as a write-in candidate for sheriff. So talk about the decision to run for sheriff and how that all came about and why as a write-in candidate. So ever since I started doing my YouTube, which was October of last year, I believe, I've had people over the months, you know, last six, seven, eight months, tell me that I should run for sheriff and they want to change. They're not happy with the current administration. And it wasn't ever something that I took very seriously. You know, I thought about it here and there, but it wasn't something that I was prepared to fully 100% commit to, um, no matter how many, you know, people were reaching out to me. It wasn't until very recently with, uh, you know, a week and a half ago or whatever it was, where I had people, a lot, hundreds of people reaching out to me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram, and taking photographs of them writing my name in on the ballot underneath Matt Kendall's as a write-in candidate and all these people reaching out to me, most of which I don't even know that reside here in Mendocino County, obviously stating that they're not happy with how things are going. Um, they don't like the fact that the current sheriff hasn't, um, doesn't have to be elected. I mean, he was given that position the first time around and this time around he was running on a post. So he was going to get, you know, get it a second time. Uh, but there's just a lot of, a lot of people are just unhappy with how things are going. So I had all these people doing all this and, um, you know, that's when I really started to consider. And it's like, well, all these people are unhappy in the community. And, and I've always been in the business of helping people. That's why I was, uh, you know, got into the law enforcement game to begin with. But it, it really started to resonate with me a lot more. And it's like, well, if I have the ability to help out, then that's exactly what I want to do. So and then um, I had no clue that I had to register as a writing candidate. I've never ran for an elected position before, obviously not for sheriff either. So um, I just assumed that if I had enough write-in votes, I was going to either win or there was going to be some kind of additional uh, election or something like that. And then I got told very last minute by two separate people that I had to register uh, as a writing candidate. So I was visiting family on the East Coast at the time. I called Katrina Bartlemay, who runs the elections office, who's very nice and helpful. And I... Um, or she in, you know, informed me that I had to be there in person to fill out certain documentation. And the, at the time, the election was only two weeks away. So I caught a last-minute flight um, into SFO, drove straight from SFO to Starbucks in Ukiah, where I had to get a minimum of 40 signatures to be able to put myself or register as a writing candidate. And I had a ton of people. I had like 80 people show up. It was crazy. And, and 
Um, How I, did you get the word out that you needed people to show up to sign your your registration forms? It, it was less than a day prior. I just put a, a post on Instagram and I said, I, I need 40 people, registered voters in the county to meet with me at Starbucks so I can get these signatures. So the fact that it was less than a day notice and it was on a Monday afternoon at 3 p.m. when, you know, people are working and stuff and to have that many people show up, it was it was amazing. And it really just um, solidified that that idea that, you know, I, I am doing this for the right reasons, which is for the people. I'm not doing it for myself. It's not like I'm out here doing this for my mental health, you know, running around and, and you know, all the hate that I receive as well. Um, but I didn't want to let people down. And I felt that this is the I can keep making YouTube videos, you know, and enlightening people, and let people know what's going on. But realistically, the only way to make some sort of change is to do what I'm doing right now. All right. This is a special election program. I'm Alicia Bales. I'm speaking with Trent James, a former Mendocino County Sheriff's deputy who's running as a write-in candidate for sheriff in the June 7th election. And he is known for his YouTube page, Confessions of an Ex-Cop. So let's talk about your campaign. It's a very new campaign. It's about a week old. Um, what is your platform? Transparency, accountability, um, two things that don't currently exist at the sheriff's office, um, allowing the public to know what we're doing, what our plans are, um, holding people accountable, employees for the things that they should be held accountable for. It's no, no, I don't want it to be where people are allowed to get away with certain things based on who their buddies are, based on who their hookups are and that sort of thing. Um, my main thing also that I want to focus on is recruitment, specifically um, women minorities. We, you know, we don't have enough of those as well and, and recruiting from the jail specifically. And that falls into um, retention of employees which has been problematic over the years due to the, um, you know, toxic administration there. A lot of guys are, are they take off and, um, I've had buddies that have gone to, you know, Sonoma County Sheriff's office, UK police department, and just other outside agencies just because they're unhappy. So those are a lot of things that I want to work on because that directly affects people in the community. As a former employee of the Mendocino County Sheriff's office, um, what do you think needs to be done? to retain employees? What's driving them out? And what protections do, do employees have? Do you have? Did you have a union? We do. Yeah, we have, it's called a DSA. So, you know, we have, uh, uh, we're afforded attorneys and, and all that kind of stuff. We have, County employees um, in law enforcement have a, a substantial amount of rights. Um, so, but the retention aspect is they were legit leaving because they were unhappy. It wasn't the pay. I mean, we had a 30% increase in pay not that long ago. And, you know, before I left, I was getting paid pretty well, especially for the area that I live. But it, it just comes down to rules for you and not for me, you know, in terms of the administration. And it, they just make it a miserable place. They're not open to new ideas. They it falls into those seven deadly words. We've never done it that way before. They're not open to new ideas when I personally presented them with new ideas on how they could better their leadership issues because they've just shut me down and label me as being toxic. And it wasn't just me. I was speaking on behalf of a lot of people there and I informed them that I said, Hey, I'm just the one that for whatever reason is not afraid to tell you guys what you guys are doing to this department. This is why guys are leaving. This is why you can't, hire anybody new. And I would also give them ideas for recruitment, which they didn't listen to either. Um, and they're just stuck in their ways and they, they just can't adapt with the times. And they think that, you know, the, the good old boys way of doing things is they've always done it that way since forever, the last 50 years. And, um, 
it's just not working. It's just not working. So that that was why the the turnover rate was fairly high as well. Okay. So do you think that it's individuals who are the problem who need to go, or are there structural changes at the sheriff's department that need to happen, or is it both? I would say it's mostly individuals. Yeah. The the there's a lot of there's people there that quite frankly should not have been allowed to continue their law enforcement career based on things that they've done. And also, it doesn't matter how much training you have or how many management leadership classes you've been to. Um, if you've worked as a cop for 60 years, 30 years, 20 years, whatever the case is, certain people should not be supervisors. They just don't have the, the attributes and the qualities that make a good leader. And it's, um, it's been proven. So, um, so what is it that keeps them in, in positions of power in your experience? their hookups, who their friends are. So it's kind of like favoritism. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how is there, how does that perpetuate itself? Like, is there something that can be done? How would you go about changing that kind of toxic mentality or that favoritism in local law enforcement? Well, the, the way to solve it is to remove those certain individuals that are, are making it that way. I mean, realistically, that's going to, that's the, that's the answer for that. But why can't they be removed? Like, why, what's the obstacle to removing them? And if you come in there, you're saying that it's just everybody's, like, scratching each other's backs or whatever in the, mm -hmm. in the, up, in the kind of positions of power in the administration. So how can you change that? I have my own plans and ideas. It's not something that I really want to get into a detailed discussion regarding for various reasons. Um, but I do have do have ideas uh, on how to deal with those things. There's, there's a, you know, they have rights and everything like that, but there is a solution to every problem. So I'm just going to leave it at that. So if you are elected, then we can expect to see a turnover in the personnel in leadership at the sheriff's department. I'm hoping they just save me the time and the effort and they just medically retire or they retire or take early retirement or something, because even if they, they do maintain their employment there based on their rights or whatever the case is, if they don't change themselves completely, then, you know, there's this, it's going to be massive issues there. So, okay. Well, um, I'm going to open up the phone lines in a couple of minutes. Uh, the phone number here is 707-895-2448. This is a chance for listeners to ask you questions directly. I obviously can't think of all the questions. So um, I want to hear from listeners about what, what their questions are for you. Um, but I do have a question for you um, about just about, COVID policy and, and which laws to, um, to enforce and, and not enforce based on some of the things that you've said. And I want to just make it clear. You have said a lot. You've been campaigning all over the county in the past week. People are recording and posting these things. You're continuing to post videos on YouTube and there's a, a very lively discussion in the comments with many, a lot of times, you know, hundreds of comments. So, um, there's a lot that that's being brought up and you've done videos on a ton ton of, of issues locally. Um, but so just my question, you've said a couple things about COVID in the last week. And, you know, when I hear people give me feedback about, you know, when they've heard about you, that that's one thing they have 
questions about. Um, so I wanted to ask you, on YouTube, there was a question in the comments about your policy regarding lockdowns and medical mandates that, you know, the fear that there would be more of those coming from Sacramento. And, and if you'd support things like curfews and vaccine mandates and digital registry systems and that kind of thing. And you said, um, and I'll quote this, no, I will not. If I'm elected, I won't use law enforcement as a tool of the government to accomplish their agenda. And then you said, I've always been an advocate of each individual governing themselves when it comes to those types of situations and making the best decision for them and their families. And then on Sunday, when you were asked about it in, in Mendocino at a, a meet and greet, you said you were, quote, not going to enforce something that infringes on people's freedoms. So my question is, um, you know, obviously there there are a lot of laws and policies that infringe on people's freedoms. So how do you make that call about which laws and policies to enforce and, and which ones you're not going to enforce? Because when people start using the word freedom, you know, lots of different people mean a lot of different things about freedom. Um, so I just wanted to, to give you a chance to sort of go into more detail about that position. Right. So I don't agree with lockdowns. I don't agree with forced vaccinations or anything like that. I never have and I never will. I think that people are smart enough to make that decision for themselves and govern their own bar their bodies. Um, and at this point in time, I mean, this isn't March of 2020 anymore. So if additional mandates roll out, a vast majority of people are vaccinated. It's not, you know, COVID's not killing people like it once was. We've kind of understood, um, you know, what we can and can't do in terms of that. And it, it was very eye-opening for me when all these quote leaders of our state and of our country were getting caught in public not wearing their masks um doing the you know the rules for us and not for them you know type situation so it's like okay so what's the real reasoning behind this i don't want to get into some weird conspiracy theory thing but um i, I just didn't take it very seriously you know when i was seeing those those sorts of things you know what i mean and i think that um if you're sick stay home. I don't, it doesn't matter what it is, you know, be smart. And, um, if you don't want to, you know, interact with people or, you know, you're immune compromised, you know, stay home. And if you want to get vaccinated, get vaccinated. But I think that there's a difference between, you know, laws, following laws, like don't rob somebody, don't break into somebody's home and like being forced by the government to, um, have a vaccine, you know, have a vaccination for something like that. So, what did you, how did you think that the county did uh, with the COVID response and, and how would you have done it differently? I don't think that they did a very good job. Um, I did agree with Matt Kendall on that because he said, I'm not going to use my guys to arrest people or cite them. You know, we were still having to deal with a lot of crazy stuff. And what that did essentially is, well, not only did it put people out of business and um, they lost their homes, their cars, and, and some people became transient as, as a you know direct result of the closures. Um, but we saw a huge increase in crime, specifically domestic violence. And a lot of people were becoming angry and, you know, they weren't, their freedoms were, were taken away. They couldn't go, um, I mean, stores were, were closed down for a while. Gyms were closed down. And I, I still didn't understand that. I mean, you're trying to boost your immune system and, and maintain some sort of health, uh, not just physically, but mentally as well. So, uh, and it went on, it went on for way too long. It went on for way too long. And, and like I said, I think people are, are smart as a whole and, and that, you know, we, we should be able to govern ourselves when it comes to those sorts of of issues. Is there ever a role for government or law enforcement in uh, when we have a public health catastrophe to what I mean, what is that role? What do you think should be done? 
because it's it wasn't there were other consequences of the pandemic as well like uh many many people got sick and in our community we lost over 100 people to covid and the hospitals were incredibly impacted we didn't know if the hospital infrastructure was going to be able to maintain you know there were people who were aren't weren't able to uh get treatment and care that they needed and they some people did get very sick and die from from the lack of access to care. So, you know, it's it when you talk about freedoms, you know, there's there's it's complicated. It is very complicated. And I knew people that died from COVID. I'm not discounting its um, its lethality. You know, I know that it's a very dangerous thing. I've personally had it before. It's it's not fun whatsoever. Um, but, you know, the hospital thing, I, I think that the media Play, was a huge contributing factor and and people it did a number on people on their minds you know what i mean it it made them so fearful and i got to admit for myself as well like when this first came about i was living in covalo at the time um as a resident deputy and it's just like okay well what is this and then the more that i saw the more that i realized yes a lot of people tragically um were were uh you know died from it however i was also seeing a lot of things where people were getting marked down as covid only deaths in the hospitals and the ERs where I was at and, um, or in other places as well, where I have guys and law buddies in law enforcement. And that just wasn't the case. And these people, a lot of them were on the verge of, you know, dying as it was due to a multitude of medical, you know, underlying medical issues. Mm -hmm. Now there was a lot of people that had no medical issues and they, you know, as a result, they died as well. I, I think that, um, it was just so chaotic and the and like I said, media is not is not our friend. It's just not. They have an agenda as well. Um, and I think that if we would have just come together from the beginning, and people had turned off the TV and the radio and the mainstream media, and we the radio. I'm sorry, not maybe not your station specifically, mm. but uh, you know, but okay. you know what I mean. It was just it, it was just too much. It was just too much, and um, you know, my 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 parents thought the same thing. You know, they're they're getting older now, and um, they're not my you know my mom's not in the best health, and initially she was scared. You know what I mean? And then as time went on, you know, she's kind of like, wait a second. You know, she got vaccinated and stuff, but she's like, yeah, I'm vaccinated. I'm good. I'm smart. And you know, she tried to limit herself from going into you know highly populated areas and stuff like that when she didn't need to. And that's all it really takes. You know, mm -hmm. just be smart. Don't be selfish. If you're sick, stay home, and it doesn't matter if it's the the flu or a cold or you know whatever the case is. Um, but I, I'm not a believer in locking down an entire state for two years, doing irreversible damage to the economy. We still have to live here now, you know, and it's like there's there's a lot of things that went wrong. Um, I don't have a perfect answer. I do not, and I'm not in charge, obviously, of the state. Um, thankfully, but. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. There, there's just a lot. It is complicated, like you said. That's the best way to put it, yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, let's go ahead and open up the phone lines. Um, the number here in the studio is 707-895-2448. Uh, this is a special election program. I'm Alicia Bales. I'm speaking with Trent James, a former Mendocino County Sheriff's deputy. He's running as a write-in candidate for sheriff in the June 7th election, and he's known for his YouTube page, Confessions of an Ex-Cop. Let's go ahead and take our first call. I'd like to suggest that you keep your your questions direct and short, 60 seconds max would be great. No ad hominem attacks and try and avoid grandstanding or, or campaigning at this point. Just just let Trent James um, answer your question. Good morning, caller. You're live on the air. Hi, my name is Maya from Mendocino, and I'm interested 
what do you think are the most important qualities of a sheriff's officer to best serve our community? And what would you say would be the most important priorities going into this next year? Thank you. Great question. So most important qualities is it's pretty much my platform. I mean, being transparent, being accountable. Um, I kind of like to relate it to my time that I spent in Covalo as a resident deputy, getting out and talking to people. And this was something that the prior sheriff, Tom Allman, was very, very good at getting into the various communities, uh, you know, on the coast and the north part of the county down in the Ukiah area and talking to people, talking to business owners, going to schools and figure out um, listening to their problems and their concerns and figuring out what we can do, what I can do specifically, you know, if I was elected with the with the sheriff's office and with people on patrol to uh, make it a safer place and to improve the the lives of, of everybody, you know, in, in Mendocino County the best way that I can. So I think that with that, it comes to being open to criticism, um, being accepting of new ideas, putting people and not yourself first. Um, and trying to accomplish the the main goal, which is to, um, like I just stated, uh, making Mendocino County a better, safer place for everybody. All right. Thank you for that question. Let's take our next call. Good morning, caller. You're live on the air. Yeah. Uh, hello. Um, I'm real glad to see there's an alternative. Um, I have a question. A couple years ago, um, Steve Neuroth was uh, killed at the jail. And the county had to settle for many millions of dollars on that. I'm wondering if Mr. James knows what what officers were involved in that and what happened to them uh, as a result of the killing that happened there at the jail. I do not know their names specifically. I know that it was uh, obviously correctional deputies, and I know that it was a horribly tragic event. You know, I've seen the video and it, there's absolutely no excuse for it. That entire situation was handled poorly. I mean, just beyond that's not, there's no words for it to be perfectly honest with you. Um, and I, unfortunately things like that happen. Um, but I do not know their names and I actually do not know what happened to them. I hope at the very least they were fired. I didn't know. I don't know if they, uh, any charges were brought against them or not. They should have been. Um, so I, I'm sorry, I don't have any additional information. No, no, I, I appreciate your point of view on that. Uh, there is a video, it is on YouTube. It was part of the settlement requiring that the video of the incident be posted on YouTube. So anybody interested can see what actually happened there by, by Googling up, uh, Steve Neuroth, uh, N-E-U-R-O-T-H. But, I really appreciate your uh, perspective on it because it kind of got swept aside and buried and uh, uh, nobody that I knew ever got held accountable for what happened in there. Just a terrible thing. And I appreciate that you see it in the same way. Absolutely. Thank you for your question. All right. Thanks for you the call. Kind of got Good morning, caller. You are live on the air. Go ahead and turn your radio down. Hi. Hi. Go ahead. I'd like to know how um, Trent James will be handling data collection so that the community has some objective uh, information on how deputies are being utilized, for what kinds of things they're being utilized for, and um, 
and m- more specifically, uh, so we have objective data about any looking for any disparities in uh, performance and outcomes. So the question is about um, how to get evidence of the of the disparities by using data collection. Disparities and utilization of time, um, as overtime is a huge component of the sheriff budget and just continuously is a problem. And it's not just because of um, not enough personnel. It's, it's, we need to know utilization of time as well as we, we just need objective data. I mean, I'd like to know how um, Trent James will be improving that data collection process. Right. So, and are you kind of referring to the, the ongoing issue with the audit? No, I'm referring to actual time spent on the types of categories of calls for service, mm-hmm. um, collection of data on race and ethnicity, demographics, um, you know, the data is really terrible. It's like one of the worst in the country <laughs> for the sheriff's department. The police department even even have has better data collection. But I'd like to know what you're. I understand you're gonna you're trying to change the internal culture, but we also need to have structural changes that we can use to evaluate how the office is running. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that a lot of um, other agencies, especially in larger, met- more metropolitan areas, do that. Do that. Do in fact collect the data on those sorts of things. I do know that uh, I've been out of it for a little bit now. On the law enforcement side of things, I do know that there are uh, forms and stuff that uh, law enforcement have to fill out in terms of you know you, you brought up race uh, race of you know contacting people and stuff. So there are things that you have to fill out and turn in for that. I do know that overtime is a massive issue, and you are correct. It isn't just solely due to um, lack of personnel, but those things are easily, you know, maybe not easily, but it, it's not unreasonable to be requesting such a thing. And um, it is something that I would like to actually implement and put into place. And be just because that falls into the whole transparency issue of everything that, you know, I'm running my platform mm-hmm. behind, letting people know um, what we are doing and the things that we are spending our, our time and, and also the county's money on, you know what I mean? So... Um, there is an implementation process to, to go along with that, but it is something that um, I definitely want to look into if I am elected, just to, like I said, it falls under the whole umbrella of the transparency. It does. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you so much for the call. Let's take our next call. Good morning, caller. You are live on the air. Thank you. Um, thank you for this. Uh, my question is about another community that the Sheriff's Department impacts in a great way. Um, I've grown cannabis here for 30 years, and I'm almost 70, and I have seen the attitudes of the Sheriff's Department just beyond abuse of people. And the way they refuse to see that there are good guys and bad guys in the community, and they lump everybody together, I mean, to me, there is a serious retraining or these deputies should exit because this is an important part of our community and it deserves respect. And the people who are out there being criminals 
deserve to be identified. But just because somebody is participating doesn't make them a criminal. And that's what I've observed personally. Caller, do you have a question? Yes. I'm wondering how you will handle this and if you agree that a retraining, a reboot is necessary. All right. Thank you. Yes, I do agree with that. And I totally understand um, where you're coming from. You're absolutely correct. There are cops out there in law enforcement that do have a tendency to see everybody in that light, you know, especially in regards to, to marijuana as being the bad guy. And a lot of that is older generational stuff um, where weed is, you know, the devil and, and no good comes from it and those sorts of things. And I've been asked those questions, you know, pertaining to mom and pop grows and people that are um, legitimate and have licensing. And I have friends that, that grow marijuana legally in, in California. It is a big part of this county. You know, it's, it's been around, you know, ever since I was a kid and growing up here and stuff. So I do agree if deputies or anybody in law enforcement has that closed-minded mentality where everybody is a criminal based on, you know, especially those sorts of things, there is a retraining, a retraining process that needs to take place. And if they're unable to, you know, accept that fact and uh, treat everybody with respect, because at the end of the day, we are customer service and that's how they should be treated. Then they have, frankly, you know, no business, quite frankly, being you no know, business being in law enforcement. All right. I guess that caller left. Um, the number here is 707-895-2448. I'm Alicia Bales, live in the studio with Trent James, who is a former Mendocino County Sheriff's Deputy and is now running as a write-in candidate for sheriff in the June 7th election. We've we got the phone lines open for your direct calls to Trent James, uh, and we have a, an email question. Will you collaborate with the Board of Supervisors on budget issues, submit to an audit, and provide detailed expenditures for overtime and other gray budget items? Yes, and I've been asked this question fairly often so far during my, my campaign process, and I basically stated if I am elected day one, hour one, minute one, if somebody wants to come in and conduct an audit, then so be it. I do understand, um, well, not understand, but I understand that, you know, the the current sheriff, he has a couple different reasons for not allowing something like that to happen. Um, you know, if there are any overages, then according to him, the sheriff's office is responsible for that, which at the end of the day, that is what it is. Um, also, he seems to think that there's some, you know, potential confidentiality issues. However, if people have the proper clearance and they're, you know, that is their job is to conduct these audits and maintain that confidentiality of whatever that information is going to be. At the end of the day, my take on it is what do you have to hide? Why would you go, you know, out of your way to sue the board of supervisors? I don't know what good that's going to accomplish in the long run. And if anything, those people have been voted in um, from their perspective districts people in the county that they chose, you know, they see fit to, to, you know, run the county for them. So at the end of the day, we should be working together and not suing each other and, you know, using taxpayer money for attorneys and things like that. All right. Let's take our next call. Good morning, caller. You are live on the air. Oh, hi. Good morning. Thank you for um, being on the air with this information. It's wonderful. Um, I do want to ask for some clarity on something that um, he stated earlier, and that was um, when he was speaking about the COVID policy and how what I heard him say is he would not enforce something he didn't believe in. So my question is, is that his stance? Will he pick and choose what he will uh, enforce, 
will he follow the laws that come down? I'm a little confused on that. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks for the call. Yeah, great question. Sorry, I didn't clarify that enough. So it's not that I'm not going to enforce things I don't believe in. There's a lot of laws currently that I don't believe in that we have to follow. You know, otherwise, you know, especially when I was a deputy there, I would actually arrest people and say, hey, I do not agree with this. I, I'm sorry, but it is what it is. And I have to take you to jail. Otherwise, I lose my job and I get sued and everything else. The thing that is different, in my opinion, is forcing uh, it, it's a medical issue and it's forcing somebody to have a vaccination or to wear a mask or to close a business. And it falls into a completely separate category in my mind um, than enforcing an actual penal code or, or something like that or something related to domestic violence, you know, in terms of restraining orders, which is a mandate by the state. Um, it, it's just two different ends of the spectrum, in, in my opinion, and it it does infringe on people's freedoms and their um, ability to govern themselves. So I, I just see it as a different, totally different thing. All right. And you're talking about uh, vaccine mandates, which haven't really been a thing. Um, mask mandates have been a thing. They have been a thing at a lot of jobs. We have them with the count. We had them with the County. Uh, lots of hospital staff have them as well. I know that people have quit and left and gone to other States because of it. Um, so yeah, a, a lot, there's a lot, there's been a lot of vac vaccine mandates yeah, for uh, various employers. Um, for employers, but that doesn't Correct. really have anything to do with, with your job as the sheriff or with law enforcement, right? No, for us on the street, the, the thing that we would run into the most when COVID first came about in 2020 was um, people, you know, more than six people gathering outside, people not refusing to wear a mask, and, um, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to, if I was the sheriff, I'm not going to have my guys take people to jail or something like that. Are you against mask mandates? Yes. Okay. Let's take our next call. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Hi, I have a question for Trent James. Yep. You are live. Oh, thank you. Um, I would like to know his views on gun ownership laws and background checks and the ownership of assault style weapons. Great. Thank you. So I am in favor of people possessing and owning firearms and uh, may, having uh, a concealed weapons permit, uh, you know, assuming that they pass a background check, they don't have any, you know, serious mental illness or anything like that. As long as you meet those various requirements, then um, I am in favor of, of people owning the, and possessing those firearms. And the same goes for um, assault-style weapons as well. So you would not support an assault weapons ban? No. Okay. Um, in light of the mass shootings and um, law enforcement role in preventing mass shootings, is what do you think the the role of law enforcement is in light of the massacres in Uvalde and Buffalo? Uh, I mean, there's there's no words at, at all for for those incidents and those those cops that failed to act and protect. Um, uh, I mean, I, if they haven't been fired yet, they need to be. And if charges haven't been brought against them for serious neglect or something, I mean, that needs to happen as well. But at the end of the day, that is our role. It is to protect people um, and, you know, do our best to ensure that, that those things don't happen. Any specific policy uh, that could be put in place to, to limit or, or stop mass shootings? Besides, 
outlawing certain weapons? So you can put all the restrictions on, I mean, I saw this in law enforcement. I mean, it, it goes back to the um, war on drugs and drugs won the war on drugs. You can outlaw and ban as many things as you want. Um, at the end of the day, uh, criminal or people that are going to be doing these sorts of things are going to get access no matter what. I mean, I can't tell you how easy it is, especially in Mendocino County, for people to have access to firearms. I was arresting guys all the time out in Covalo that had ARs, and they would just make their own and, and do all those sorts of things. But it's very, very easy. And they're felonies. So you can't possess those. But people are still getting them. So I don't know if the, the restriction aspect or you know outlawing them altogether is really going to be the answer. I am a fan of SROs, school resource officers. Um, having more maybe of a, a presence on, on school grounds um, to immediately, you know, address these sorts of things. Um, goes down to education, firearm education, um, mental health, you know, addressing a lot of those issues and having more resources available for those types of things. Um, but specifically, I mean, for each individual, I mean, I, I don't have an answer to prevent every single crime or every single tragedy that occurs in the world, and I wish I did. Um, there are better ways to go about certain things. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much my stance on that. All right. Um, this is a special program here on KZYX, special election coverage. I'm Alicia Bales, and in the studio with me is Trent James. He is a former Mendocino County Sheriff's deputy who's running as a write-in candidate for sheriff uh, in the June 7th election, and we have about just a little over 10 minutes left here for you to call in and ask questions um, of Trent James. And the number here in the studio is 707-895-2448. We've also offered equal time to Sheriff Matt Kendall to come in and speak with us. So far, that is not on the on the schedule, but um, we have offered that time, and um, I think it's important to make the lines open for you to call in and ask your questions. This is sort of a an unconventional election with the last minute write in candidate, so um, you know it does kind of change. Uh, it was an unopposed uh, race up until last Monday, so it kind of changes. If you haven't sent your sent your ballot in yet, um, you know it kind of changes the calculus whether or not you're going to make sure to vote for sheriff, or um, you know whether or not you're going to write in. Um, of course, you have to be a registered write-in candidate. You can't just you know write in any name. But um, you you managed to get yourself registered and and part of the of the um, of the ballot. So I. The number here is 707-895-2448. The lines are currently open. Um, I don't know. You got anything else you want to you tell listeners while you have the microphone? Yeah, and and, at the, and I have, you know, I do have a lot of support in the community, which has been amazing. And I, I have a lot of people that, that aren't supportive of me. And at the end of the day, what I would just have the, you know, people of Mendocino County sit back and think and um, are you currently happy? Are you currently happy with the way things are being run? Are you happy with, you know, uh, currently how the Mendocino County Sheriff's Office is doing business? Are they addressing all your issues and concerns? Um, and just go off of, go off of that and, you know, make a, make a good decision for yourself and your family and the community of Mendocino. All right. We have another call. Good morning, caller. You're live on the air. Good morning, Alicia. Um, I was wondering if Trent could speak more to, it's kind of a two-part question, um, could tell the listeners more to his style of community policing and what that model looks like uh, for Mendocino County. And my other uh, question is responding to uh, domestic violence restraining order violations. That's been a problem with the sheriff's office now. 
um, taking those calls seriously and how that impacts the people that are victimized with domestic violence. Thank you. All right. Thanks for the call. Good question. So I'm huge on community-oriented policing. That's what I based my entire career around when I was a resident deputy in Covalo. And what that looks like for me um, is for, if I was the sheriff, for my guys to actually exit their patrol vehicles, walk their beat, talk to people in the community, talk to the business owners, uh, go to the schools, um, just mingle with, with people in the community. Um, and that's incredibly important. That helps bridge that, that divide and that gap, it, you know, gets rid of that us versus them mentality and, you know, developing poor, rapport with people in the community helps build trust. And instead of just going call to call to call or just pulling people over and, you know, which is, which does, you know, those things do have their place of course, but to really get down to the, um, the major issues that actually are affecting people in the community, you have to actually interact with those people. And, and figure out what their problems are and, and do your best to to help them. So I'm a huge proponent of that. And I think that it's um, hasn't been of much as much of a priority as it needs to be. And in terms of the domestic violence restraining order, I would need maybe more specifics because I do know per policy with the Mendocino County Sheriff's Office, as well as the state of California, it is, it is a shall. Um, if there is a violation of a domestic violence restraining order that's currently on file, you shall make an arrest that whoever it is has to go to jail. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Um, I know that while I was there, if we did not make an arrest, you are at the very least written up um, or, you know, potentially fired. It depends on the situation. But those things should be taken seriously. They're they're in effect for a reason. If there is a restraining order in place, a judge saw fit to sign that document. So um, if there are people or deputies not taking that seriously. I mean, they, they should be reprimanded. Absolutely. Well, one of the things that, um, that we hear about people who aren't in law enforcement hear about that there are higher numbers, a higher percentage than in the general population within law enforcement of people who commit domestic violence themselves. So when, uh, when law enforcement is responding to a domestic violence incident, um, it, it may be sketchy for the victim of domestic violence, knowing that the, the person who's responding to help them might also be a perpetrator. Yes. And um, I'm not going to speak specifically to Mendocino County Sheriff's Office or Willis Police Department or Ukiah, any, any local agency, but I do know that that happens. I do know that there is a, uh, an issue with domestic violence in law enforcement itself, um, and they do a lot of things that sometimes, not all of them, there is a small group of individuals, mostly law enforcement are good, solid, honest people, but there are individuals that um, they're hypocrites and they, they do those same things that they're arresting people for. So, and I, I got a great question when I was out on the coast um, from a domestic violence advocate. And I think that that is very, very beneficial to bring somebody like that along with us to these various calls that has more information uh, regarding resources and, and knows how to talk to, uh, you know, better than us potentially on the street to victims of these sorts of crimes. How much of your job is responding to domestic violence calls? It's one of the number one calls as a deputy. Yeah, domestic, we were dealing with it all the time, all the time, unfortunately. And it's, uh, it's, it's truly sad. And sometimes it, it, yeah, it, it's very, very high number of domestic violence incidents that I've dealt with over the years. All right, the number here is 707-895-2448. We have just about five minutes left. There was a call, and, and they gave up, so call back, caller. Um, Trent James is here with me. I'm Alicia Bales, and Trent is a write-in candidate for sheriff. He registered uh, last week and is um, 
if people write him in, those votes will be counted. Um, hello, caller. You are live on the air. I have a question going back to the schools and protecting our schools. I know that for parents in Mendocino County, I am a parent of a child in Eagle Peak, that it's become a, a worry. And I'm wondering if what changes you would make to really protect. I know you mentioned that you are in favor of school police. And how would you go about that? And what do you think is the appropriate amount? Um, and also, actually, that's it. If you, oh, the other question was, if you could just explain to us how to do the write-in, because some people who are listening might not know how to do that if we did want to vote for you. All right. Good questions. Thanks. Yeah, great question. Thank you. So uh, just more of a presence in general. It would be a requirement, uh, depending on calls for service, obviously, um, to do a certain number of, of walkthroughs or stop bys throughout that person's shift if there is a school that resides um, in the county and they're beat uh, for, you know, whatever deputy it is in terms of like having ideally it would be a school resource officer. So, you know, and I remember I still remember mine when I was in high school at Ukiah High. Uh, he was awesome. Um, What's the difference between a school resource officer and a law enforcement officer? They're still a cop. That's just their assignment. I see. So, oh, so they work so for the law enforcement agency. School hours and days, they are there the entire time. And it also, it's not just beneficial for, for safety issues, of, of course, but it, it also allows like the, you know, younger people to be able to interact with, you know, law enforcement and see that, hey, we're not necessarily the bad guy here. But, um, you know, and, and that could be something that we could look at as well. And I actually don't know what that would look like in terms of having um, a, dep a, per a deputy permanently um, as a school resource officer. I know that PDs do it. Ukiah PD does it. Wills PD did it for a period of time. But that, that would be um, an ideal situation. And if that's not something we can accommodate, um, then like I said, having um, deputies as a requirement of their shift stop in uh, throughout the day. Um, like I said, pending calls for service and everything else and checking in with the school, checking in with the principals, going to the classrooms and stuff like that, just making more of a, a presence on the on the campus. Oh, and then um, I'm sorry. So, yeah, yeah how so to, how to vote for you. How to, yeah. So it's uh, on the ballot right underneath Matt Kendall's name. There's a blank spot. All you have to do is if you choose to vote for me, um, just write my name in there, Trent James. And that's it. Do you have to fill in the little black box? I believe you do. Or it. Well, or it doesn't count. I don't know. I, I would just say do it. Uh, I'm not. I'm not 100% on the black on the little box thing. But I would just say yeah, scribble in the box, um, fill that, in, and if you choose to vote for me, you can put my name on the blank line underneath Matt Kendall's. The other thing is, is that because uh, on the ballot there isn't another candidate, there's not you know a challenger to to Matt Kendall. It's just Matt Kendall, and then a, a blank line for write-in. People who want to vote for Sheriff Kendall need to need to vote. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. If you And if you choose to, to vote for Matt Kendall as well, yeah, you just you have to make sure that you um, scribble in on that on that box next to his name as well. Fill that one in. Yep. All right. So we have just about three minutes left. Um, it's a long question that we've got on the email, but can, maybe you can try. Uh, I've got one more question. Maybe you can try a, a brief answer to it and then we will. Um, there's, people can you can give people uh, contact information for how to follow up with you. Um, the question is, how would you address the problem of racial profiling? How would you evolve the Mendoc Mendocino County Sheriff's Office? Pretty big question, but just give us a, a taste and then tell us how we can find out more. How would I address racial profiling? Yeah. The, how would you address the problem of racial profiling? <clears throat> so I, I've been asked this before. I know that it exists. 
in the law enforcement world. I'm not naive enough to think that it doesn't. It's not something I personally ever saw once in my time in law enforcement. Any of my partners, anybody that I worked with, whether that was at the Mendocino County Sheriff's Office or the Wilts Police Department. Even out in Covalo? No, no. And, and uh, no, absolutely not. I mean, I, I took it, and like I said, I, I know that it's happened over the years. I, I know that, um, that, it, that it does occur. And people that are prejudiced or look at people a certain way and treat them because of that, uh, they have no bit business being in law enforcement. You know, they're just a bad person at that point. And at the very least, they should lose their job and, and they shouldn't, you know, be allowed to, to continue to, to serve the community. Um, I took it upon myself, especially in Covalo, because there's not a lot of, you know, at the time, there, you know, a lot of people don't trust law enforcement based on those prejudice issues that they faced in the, in the past. So I made sure I went out of my way to show them that I was different and I wasn't going to be like that um, and that I truly cared about them and their issues. All right. I think that's it. That's going to do it for us. That's all we have time for. Let us know how people can get in touch with you and follow your campaign. So um, I guess the easiest way is uh, most people have Facebook, just, you know, Trent James. I'm on there. I'm on Instagram, Trent James, all one thing. And, you know, I have my YouTube channel, Confessions of an Ex-Cop as well. But on my Facebook and my Instagram is where I've been um, posting all the information regarding my campaign and the areas that I'm going to be doing meet and greets and and stuff like that. All right. So you will be out in the community doing meet and greets. Yeah. Throughout the rest of this week. There's one tonight right? Uh, yes, tonight, 5 to 7 at City Park in Willits. Okay, thank you, Trent James. This has been a special election program. I'm Alicia Bales. Trent James is a former Mendocino County Sheriff's deputy. He's running as a write-in candidate for sheriff in the June 7th election against Matt Kendall. This has been a production of KZYX, Philo, 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah, 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. You can check out our website at kzyx.org to find more content like this, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thanks for listening.